So today we're going to continue on our sermon series called Lies Christians Believe. And as I've been reflecting about this sermon series, one of the things that um, I was reminded this week was the simple fact that uh, it's not just about exposing the lies that we have in our lives. It is really about being reminded of the truth. And truth is important, not because, well, it's truth. And sometimes many, for many of us, we think, oh, truth is important, but well, it's, it's not that important. See, truth is important not because we're telling people the truth. Truth is important because the truth, truth is an issue of love. The Bible tells us one of the most famous chapters in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is about love. And it says love, true love, real love rejoices in the truth. And so this is the reason why we want to expose these lies and, and, and take in God's truth into our lives. Because this is actually an act of love from, by God to us. And also when we expose it in one another's lives, we're pouring truth and we are showing an act of love toward one another. You know, when someone has cancer, it's not very useful for us by just keep hiding the fact that they have cancer. Imagine you show up in a, a doctor's office and the doctor knew that you have cancer and yet the doctor chose not to tell you because he thought he or she thought it would be a loving thing for you to, for her to do, not to tell you the truth. So that way you won't feel sad. How useful would that be if you just hide that truth away from you? Because on, on the surface, it seems like that's a loving thing to do. But the real loving thing to do is that doctor telling you the truth. What is really the issue of your life? How bad the cancer is spreading in your life so that there can be a, an, a, a cure, so that there's a plan for, for helping you and, and healing you from cancer. That is why truth is so important. And this is the reason why we're talking about all these lies, not just to point out these lies, but really be submerging ourselves into the truth of God so that we know we know how much God is loving on us by giving us these truths. So today we're going to talk about uh, our third lie. The lie we're going to talk about is follow your heart. Uh, it is a song in a Disney, uh, in, in a Disney song, follow your heart. You don't, you know, that song, you don't know, watch, watch it on YouTube, listen to it. Um, it is a, a line, a lie that we hear all the time. It is a, a theme for many of the movies in Disney movies, but beyond that, many songs that we listen to, different genre that we listen to, different era that we listen to, songs are about following your heart. Perhaps you've heard people telling you that, right? When you ask for advice and a person, a friend of your family member, or sometimes Christians would say, hey, just do whatever that your heart is telling you to do. Maybe you're, wondering, you're trying to make a decision and the person said, ask you this question, what is your heart telling you? Perhaps someone would say to you, at the end of the day, just do whatever your heart feels, feels right to your heart. I think many people who have given us that response, and perhaps some of us have used that line before, use it not because we have any uh, bad intention at all. Many times we're very well-intentioned, and, and, and we, are, we really want to show love and be helpful to other people. But unfortunately, this lie can be deadly for us. We might not have said it to mean anything just so that we can be sympathetic to the person asking for counsel or advice. But little do we know, if people really live according to this lie, it will ruin our lives. 
people sometimes don't know what to say. And so the, the natural thing to say is just follow your heart. It sounds so right on many levels. It was in 2005 when um, Steve Jobs was giving a, a, a commencement speech at Stanford University. It was a really good speech. Many of you know who Steve Jobs is, one of the, perhaps one of the, the most inventive man that in this country who invented uh, the iPhones and the iTunes and all, the whole Apple company. And at the end of his speech, he, I want to read to you what he, what he said. On the service level, it sounds just so good and so inspiring. But notice what it says. It says, it's your time speaking to be these graduates who are graduating from one of the top universities of a country. Here's what it says. Your time is limited. So don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, meaning uh, uh, doctrines and, and, and rules, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow know what you truly want to become. Man, it sounds so good on many levels. And I'm not saying that what he said uh, is all wrong. But the problem is it is not all true either. I know what he's saying. He's saying follow your heart in the sense that don't let people tell you what you can or cannot do. But it is this last line that I think it exposed to us what kind of lie we live in when we follow heart. Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. But and then we follow on says this: they somehow know what you truly want to become. I think this is the question we need to ask ourselves today: Does our heart and intuition somehow really know? what we really want to become, what we really want to have in our lives. Is our heart really the best GPS there is for our lives? You know, think about it for a second. If you think of your heart as a GPS, it tells us where to go, how to get there. And the problem with this lies is that our, our heart is not the best of GPS. It is not an infallible guide of our lives. When I was in college, I got an opportunity to drive from Los Angeles all the way to Colorado. Uh, it was about a, a 19 hours drive. Uh, back then, there are GPS that are not on your phone. Phone were not as, as developed back then. So the GPS is actually this ginormous unit that you need to hook up, connect it to your car. And you put it either on your dashboard or on top uh, in the middle of your, uh, in between your two front seats. And it's grainy, it's gritty. And what happened is those GPS doesn't just naturally sink in like you do with your phone today. You can open up maps or, or ways nowadays, and it will sync up and tell you the most updated information. But here's the problem. When I drove from Los Angeles to up into Denver, entering into where our friend is staying, was staying, uh, was living in, we're supposed to live in his house. Uh, for our vacation i drove in with these four other college kids we drove in and drove onto a road and immediately on that gps there there is this error on there that says no road found and i look outside there are many roads but the, on the screen it says no road found 
error, no road found. I keep driving and driving. The, the map keeps saying error, 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 error. You see, back then, the problem with, the, with these type of GPS is you need to update the map periodically because it doesn't just read it from a satellite like it does with our phone today. And so for, for the GPS to recognize what's going on, my GPS was not updated up to date to what was the road back uh, at that moment in Denver. So all it sees was just these errors. There's no road on there, but in reality, it's a new developed city town that we're entering into. And the same thing is true with our hearts, except worst. Those GPS needed to be updated all the time. But the problem with our hearts, if we use our hearts as a GPS for our lives, is that our hearts is not only not updated, but it is actually faulty. It's damaged. It's corrupted. It's really interesting. The word heart was used many, many times in the scripture. Over 300 times. And for many of us as 21st century, when we think of the word heart, we think of this physical organ, right? That pump blood and carry blood and, and, and push blood to wherever that we need is essential to the vitality of our physical life. But in scripture, every time when the word was used, when we, in order to understand what uh, the scripture has to tell us later on about heart, we need to see that the word heart is not just a physical organ by, by these Bible, uh, by the authors of the books of the Bible. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the word heart is lep. In the Greek, uh, in the New Testament, the heart, the word heart is Cardia, which where we get the word cardiology come from, as the study of the heart. If you have heart issue, you go to see a cardiologist uh, who is expert in our hearts. But in every single one of these usage of the word heart, primarily used, uh, the, the word is primarily used not as the physical organ, but actually it speaks of the emotions, the desires, the feelings, uh, the inner core of being of who we are. That's what the word is referring to. And essentially what the heart is uh, in scripture, whenever the word heart is used, is referring to the innermost part of who we are, our feelings, our desires, our emotions. That's what the scripture is referring to whenever the word heart is used. But here's the problem. Whether you believe in the Bible or not, we know in our own experiences, our feelings our desires, our emotions change all the time. You don't need the scripture, the Bible, to tell you that your feelings, desires, emotions are, are, are fickle, are changes all the time. It fluctuates like a roller coaster. It goes up and it goes down. One simple phone call can change immediately how we feel. One slip of paper, one website looking at our grades can change our emotions. One visit to the mall can immediately change our desire. One simple word can make us angry. Those of us who drive on the, on the freeway, one simple move by another person cutting us off will change almost like flipping a switch and get us to be angry from zero to 60. We all know in our own experiences that feelings and desires and emotions are fickle. They are, un we're unstable people. So if we are to let our, follow our hearts, that means that we're to follow our feelings, our desires, emotions, we will be jerked left and right, up and down. 
we will never find stability. We'll never find true direction. In fact, the Bible gave us, I want to give us a, a few examples of the verses that the Bible used to describe heart, our emotions, our feelings. Let's look at it together. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Here, how, here's how the prophet Jeremiah described our heart. It says, this, the heart is deceitful about all things. Desperately sick, who can understand it? Here's the prophet describing our, 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 our hearts, our feelings, emotions, our desires. It's deceitful about everything. We have a way of lying to ourselves. We are a good liar of ourselves. I, we, we know that about ourselves. We tend to point out people's fault rather than giving ourselves excuses. It says our heart is sick. There are a condition, our hearts in condition had us, had us illness to us that we have a hard time speaking truth. We have a hard time embracing truth. We have a way of, of lying to others and lying to ourselves. But that's not only Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus himself pointed out to the, to the Jews the condition of all of our hearts. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 7, verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Here, Jesus was giving teaching. People were thinking, oh, it's what's happened to them on the outside that makes them dirty, makes them sinful. And here, Jesus' point out is not what you take in from the outside. is what's already in your inside, your heart, your feelings, your emotions. Those things are already comes uh, give you the, those evil thoughts. Every single thing you do on the outside flow from inside, from deep within. The reason why we live sinful lives, the reason why we sin is not because of what our behavior, but because of the condition of our hearts. You see, what we need to understand is that God did not intend to create us evil. He did not create us to be sinful. Several weeks, several months back when we were going through the three circles, we know that God had this perfect design of us to be like us, to be like God. We're made in the image of God to be have to have perfect relationship with God, to have God's character in our lives. But we also saw in Genesis chapter three, when sin entered in through Adam and Eve, our lives are being uh, are broken. We got infected of this disease called sin in our lives. And, and as such, our hearts are infected with sin. And so now, uh, subsequently, through Adam and Eve, everyone born is born with this condition. You can say that we all have a heart condition. Maybe not a physical, one, but certainly a spiritual one. That we are, our hearts are sick, just like Jeremiah said. That our hearts are inclined to do evil things. That our heart is damaged, is not dependable, it is faulty. And so if that is the case, and the scripture said it is, and our experience tells us it is, then how can we follow our hearts? In fact, I would go so far as to say following our hearts can be a very dangerous thing. Think of me for a second. Imagine you're looking for a mentor. You're looking for a life coach, looking for a counselor. And you came to me and said, hey, Ben, do you know anyone who can mentor me? Anyone who can really help me, kind of guide me in my life? 
I said, oh, yeah, I do know somebody. Let me introduce you to, to this person. And then here's the description that I'll give. This person is very deceitful. In fact, he lies to people all the time. He's sick. He doesn't really work very well. And what he does is he will give you these evil thoughts. He will tell you to go be to involve sexual immorality. He steals things. At times, he kills people. He'll lead you down the path to, to want things that, you, that is not yours. He's wicked. He lies to people. He's envious of people. He talks badly about people. He is super prideful. He's all about himself. And, if, and above it all, he's foolish. How many of you would raise your hand and say, yeah, I want that mentor. I want that counselor. We all know we, we, have, we, we have a same mind at all. That's not a person that we want to follow. That is not a person we want to get uh, advice from. That is not a person we want to listen to. And how is it different when it comes to our own heart? You see, the lie that we hear all the time, follow your heart. We are following some uh, uh, a direction that will lead us to destruction. I mean, think about it this way. Imagine you go to the mall. Think about the last time you went to the mall, you went online to shop on Amazon Prime Day. If I were to tell you, follow your heart, what would happen to your credit card? What would happen to your wallet? One of the benefits of being an older person is that I've lived through enough mistakes and looking back, I know how, what a destructive thing it was to follow your heart. Imagine the, uh, remember the last time you had a crush on this guy or this girl. Here's the voice, here your friends, they follow your heart. You know how that ended up being, right? Just yesterday, two people shared with me their friends who had broken up with, their, with, with, with someone. And how easy it is when we just say, follow your heart. It feels right at the time, and yet we crash and burn afterwards. How about this? When you go to school next time, when you take your test and someone tell you, follow your heart, if it's a multiple cho- choice test, just follow your heart. How well do you think you would do on your test? Imagine a five-year-old standing in front of a candy store. The parents say, go follow your heart. Get a bag and go follow your heart. What do you think that five-year-old is going to do? I'm being half joking here, but in reality, we do that all the time. We say, I trust my heart because, because somehow we feel like what Steve Jobs says is true. That somehow in and of ourselves, we know our heart, our intuition, truly know somehow we know what we really want. But in reality, the scripture tells us, no, your heart doesn't know what you want. In fact, we don't know what we really need and want. This is the reason why God has given to us a new heart. This is so important for us to remember because I want to be clear about this. What I'm not saying, and the scripture is not saying, your feelings, your emotions are not valid. They're not real. No, they're very real. It's just that your heart makes for a good thermometer, but a terrible thermostat. Your feeling, your emotion, your desires makes for a very good thermometer. It tells you where you are, just like a thermometer, how hot and how cold the, con- uh, the condition is at, the, at, your, at your space. But it makes for a terrible thermos. It doesn't change you. You know the difference between a thermometer and th- thermostat, right? A th- thermometer just shows you what is currently there. But a thermostat changes you. 
So if you're hot, it changes to the cold and it make the AC goes on. But our heart, our feelings, our emotions, our desires are terrible thermostat because it will tell us when you want something, you, you make you is real that you want something. Actually, it doesn't help you. And so this is why God gave us a new heart. This is the reason why Jesus sent his son to die on the cross to rescue us from this bad, evil heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied what would be done through our our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what it says. I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. You see, we were born with a heart of stone. And through Jesus Christ, God has given us a new heart, a heart of flesh. Why did God give us a new heart? So that we can walk in this way, so that we can be obedient to not as robots, but that we can live in the ways of his love for us. God knows what's best for us. Our heart, our old heart, a heart of stone does not know what is best for us. So it will lead us to walk away from what God intends to do in our lives. But through Jesus Christ, when he died on that cross, resurrected after three days, we have been given a new heart so that we now know how to walk in the ways of God, so that we don't know how to obey God, so that we can live fully in the way that God had designed and created us to do, to be. Again, Jeremiah told us earlier how deceitful our heart is, which is, later, which is why later on, Echoing what Ezekiel was prophesying, he reminds us that his God will give us a heart to know that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. See, God is prophesying through Jeremiah telling us that we need a new heart. Not a new heart just for ourselves, but a new heart to know God. Our old heart, our faulty heart, a heart of stone will lead us to go away from God. It's broken, it's shattered, it's fragmented. But here God says, I want to give you a new heart, a whole heart, a mended heart, a completely new heart. God is not so interested in doing a single, double, triple, quadruple bypass. People who have heart condition, their, their, their arteries blocked and what, what medically people need to do to revive them, to, to give them new life is to get these extra, these, this, these veins and these arteries to connect the hearts to the artery so that they will go bypass the blocked passage. If your heart is bad, it gives you a single bypass, really bad, a double bypass. It really, really bad. They give you a triple bypass. If your heart is barely fine, they give you a quadruple bypass. But what God is telling us is that your heart is so bad that even a quadruple bypass won't do it. You know what you need? You need a complete heart transplant. You need a new heart. And God promises through Jesus Christ, when we put our faith, he has given us a new heart. This is why God says you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. So that you can not only have a better heart, but you have a new heart, a whole heart. 
a heart that will actually guide you to know God, to worship God, to live for God. That is the heart that you need. This is the reason why we cannot follow heart because by natural condition, our hearts are evil. And it is not until we put our faith in Jesus that we get this new heart. And now here's the question that you might be thinking. Well, Ben, you just said that God is going to give us a new heart. In fact, when I put my faith, I'm a Christian. Uh, today, I put, declare my faith in Jesus Christ. Shouldn't I already have that new heart? And if I do have that new heart, then why can't I follow that new heart? Why is that still a lie? Why is still, that still a bad advice? Hopefully, this will help you understand this a little better. You see, it is true that God has given us a new heart. But we're not complete with that new heart yet. You see, before we have Jesus in our lives, before we have given our lives to Jesus, called him our Lord and Savior, before we put our faith in him, the scripture tells us we are slaves to sin. You know what a slave is? A slave is someone that has no choice but to do whatever the master tells them. So before we knew Christ, we are called in Romans that we are slaves to to sin. Sin and the devil is our master and we're slave to him and slave to whatever he tells us to do. We cannot help but to be doing whatever sin drives us to do. That's what happens when we follow our hearts. So without Christ, before Christ, that's who we were. But when we have Christ in our lives. John chapter 15 says, we are now in Christ. We have Jesus Christ in us. Now, no longer are we slaves to sins, but our condition changed. Yes, we have a new heart. But here's the thing, though, like our heart, that new heart is not complete in us while we're living on earth. So now we're still in contact with sin. Now we still live in a broken world. So on one level, we're no longer slaves to sin, but now we war against sins. This is why uh, uh, the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 urge christians to abstain from the passions of this world passions of the flesh because they war against our soul see as long as we live in this world as long as we have our physical flesh as long as we live in this physical world we continue to wage war against sin because we're not we're still in contact with sin So this is the same reason why we cannot follow our hearts because our hearts, though we have a new heart, is not fully developed to be without sin. We're still tempted and we, you and I know that we still get tempted by sin. Maybe by the things we look at online, maybe by by the words that our friends say, maybe by simple attitude toward against, against other people. We still wrestle with sin, but now as Christians, we no longer are slaves to sin, that we have no choices but to sin. We do have a choice to wage war against sin. But here's the hope that we have. Revelation tells us one day we will not only be in Christ, we will be with Christ. That you and I will be delivered from this physical world while there's still brokenness. That there will be a new heaven. There will be a new new heaven, new earth. That when Christ returns for the second time, he will bring us to reunite with him. When we die, we'll be in heaven with him forever. That's when we'll be physically, spiritually with Christ Revelation chapter 21 says this, this place that will be with God, nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, 
So nothing unclean, nothing detestable, nothing false will be in the presence of Christ. And it is until then that our hearts will be completely clean. And so when we're in heaven, yes, we can follow our hearts literally anytime we want because there will be no, no condition of sin, no, no smell of sin, no presence of sin. And that is the day that we're looking forward to. But until then, while we still live on earth, we continue to wrestle and war against sin. And so this is the reason why we cannot follow our hearts. But because we're Christians, we have put our faith in Christ, we don't have to follow our hearts. Probably the better advice, the best advice that we have is not to stop following our hearts, but to follow Jesus. So we are to stop following our hearts. We need to follow Jesus. Unlike our hearts, Jesus will never change. Unlike our hearts, Jesus will never lie to us. Unlike our hearts, Jesus is not fickle. Jesus doesn't change by the mood. Unlike our heart, Jesus is constant, is true, is real. So I want to end with this verse for us. Luke 9, 23. Jesus speaking to the disciples, anyone who wants to be disciples, anyone want to follow him. He says this, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if anyone want to follow me, he named three things that we need to do. He did not say, let him follow his heart. No, he says, let him what? First, deny himself. Deny himself. What he meant by that is not to pretend you're not a real person, to pretend your feeling, desire, emotions are, are not real. No, they are very real. But denying himself means what Jesus meant by that is to say no to yourself. So say no to what you naturally, fleshly want to do. Say no to your natural feeling that when you go on the website, you want to buy things. Say no to that voice. Maybe perhaps you're going to a site where looking at pictures that you're, you're not supposed to look at. Uh, listening to songs that where you're not supposed to listen to. Say no to that natural desire. Maybe you want to talk back to somebody. Maybe you want to speak ill of someone. Jesus said, if you stop following your heart, follow me. The first way to follow me is to deny to say no to yourself. To say no to those natural desires. Recognize those are natural feeling, emotions, and desires. And say no to it. Don't let that be a thermostat of your life. Deny it. Say no to it. That's the first step. Here's the second thing. Take up his cross daily. What does it mean to take up his cross? It means to commit yourself even unto death. Say no, be committing yourself every single day that I want, I choose to follow Jesus. Then do you follow my heart? Taking up his cross means that you are going to commit your your life in the beginning of the day when you wake up and say, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus no matter what my heart will say to me. Even when I'm hurting, even when when I'm experiencing pain, even when I'm, uh, I'm I'm not happy. Here's the problem with our hearts. He's always going to lead us to what we want and because it makes us happy. Sin is fun. Sin oftentimes, if not always, brings happiness. But when we saw Jesus carrying his cross to, uh, to carrying his cross while he was on earth, it was not fun. It was not happy. 
but yet it produced something far greater. And so not only do we need to say no to ourselves, we must commit ourselves to say no so hard to ourselves that we're willing to even stop doing something completely, even to the point of that. And finally, follow Jesus is not just a slogan. Following Jesus is not just a sticker that we put on our car. Following Jesus is not just a, a, a post that we can put on our social media. Following Jesus means literally living like Jesus. So rather than following your heart where it's deceitful, it's sick, it's evil, following Jesus means we're going to follow his word. We're going to follow what he teaches us how to live. And First John tells us we need to live like Jesus does. And how do we know who Jesus is? How do we live like him? We must read about him. We must know what he's about. We must know what Jesus has called us to do. We can't follow him when we don't know what he's about. This is why we need to wake up every day looking to the word of God. This is why the word of God is so important in your life and my life. Because we can't follow Jesus without his word. I think there are only two options. Either you follow your heart and the world or you follow Jesus. There is nothing in between. The moment we don't follow Jesus, we're following the world. The moment we're not following Jesus' word, we're not living obedient. You are living obedient to the world. You're living obedient to your heart. And so this is the reason why we push so hard and encourage you and exhort you to spend time with Jesus every day. is Because we need a correction every single day. And the ironic thing is, the word of God is so readily available for us. For some of us, it is just a simple click on a phone to open that word and just come before him and be still. And read it and meditate and chew on it and let that infiltrate our, our mind and our hearts. It is as simple as opening it up, but how how often do we? Actually click on that app to open it up. See, do not be deceived. Don't let Satan have the final say of your life. Say no to your natural desires. Say no to your laziness. Say no to your apathy. Take up that cross. Commit to Jesus every single day and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow my heart. Pick up his word. Hide that into your life so that you no longer sin against him. Let this word of God wash us thoroughly. Saturate our mind and our hearts with this word throughout the day. So we no longer have to follow our hearts because we have someone far better to follow. And his name is Jesus. Let us bow our head and I want to pray for us. And after that, we're going to sing a song called Tether. And I pray that that will be the response of our hearts as we sing to sing this song. That our hearts will truly tether, linked up, connected, abide so deeply in Jesus every single day. So that we will no longer be deceived by our hearts, but we will go live and go hard and live, live after Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. That you don't call us to do something that you don't already have prepared for us. 
Lord, help us to see, help me to see that my heart is deceitful above all else. Help me to see how wicked my heart can be without you cleansing it with your word. So, Lord, would you sanctify us by your truth? Your word is truth. So, God, I pray that we will be so tethered to your word, so tethered to your heart this week. That instantly we can spot out the lies of our heart. Give us the courage. Give us the boldness. Give us faith to say no to the lies in our lives. Help us to say no to our natural feeling desires so that we can experience your abundance, love, and truth in us. Lord, we we want to respond to you. Show us as we sing this song what you call us to do this week. This in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.